Hey everybody, Brian Zane here with another edition of Wrestling with Regret. Wait a minute, hang on. Where am I? This isn't this isn't YouTube. This isn't the Cinnabon. Where the hell am I? Gaming Street Irregulars? Well, I know a thing or two about gaming and certainly being irregular, but no, this is not my scene. I'm out of here. <laughs> Good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome to Gaming Street Regulars. I'm James Iris, joined once more by the inimitable Chrissy Harding. Hi, everyone. Oh, my God. I have internet. It is glorious. The move is over with. I hopefully will no longer be stressed out. I highly doubt that'll be the case, but hey, we can all hope. Um, We're going to be experiencing some stress because I've got to organize two panels for Flower City Comic Con this month. Listen, you you signed up for that. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. So I, I, I have sympathy. And also at the same time, I'm like, dude, I try to warn you. I try to warn you. Just stick with one. <laughs> just do one with me. Just literally me, you, and Pemi just sitting there riffing, just rifting on whatever we feel like rifting on. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I wanted to give, give each of my podcasts their own uh, specific sort of spotlight. Fair enough. And yes, you did hear that right, ladies and gentlemen. Pembroke W. Corgi will be joining us at Flower City Comic Con. Me and me and James brainstormed, begged, pleaded, blackmailed, beat up, and we got Pemmy to come. Mm-hmm. That's just what we did to poor Chris. Yeah, we can't even tell you what we did to the other crew. We just, we just, we got to Chris first. <laughs> so today. On this lovely Thursday, we are talking about casual games. Yes, and just so everyone, want, if in case you're wondering, what is casual games? If you have a phone, and you have a game on it, and it's a quick game to play, congratulations, you've just played a casual game. So, casual games kind of have four characteristics to them. Some have all four, some of them have three of the four, two of the four, but they have at least one of these four characteristics. First, it is fun and simple gameplay that is very easy to understand. In other words, if my mother can play it, it's probably a casual game. Second is a simple user interface that operated with a mobile phone on a tap and swipe interface, so you know, your touch screens, or you just use one um, mouse button on it. So... Not a whole lot of X, you know, X to run, you know, all of that stuff. It's like swipe and done. Good example of this is Angry Birds and Fruit Ninja. The game can be played in short sessions. So the game can be played during a work break, on public transportation, or just waiting in line. So this is not something that has the most in-depth storyline. Kind of a one and done deal. So you can start and stop at any time and you don't lose anything. And you can easily start and stop it. Often familiar visual elements like playing cards or match-free grid of objects. So you can kind of look at the game and pretty much know what you need to do without much prompting from the actual game itself. Usually these games are either free to play or free to start. 
Uh, they do have some monetization to it or, you know, pay to play. They have Or free or, to pay, as yeah. some of the detractors will put it. Well, yeah, I call it, and those ones are known as free to start, so it's free to start the game. But as you play, I mean, you could still technically play it for free, but you find that sometimes if you need a boost or something, you have to pay for it. There is also pretty much something known as a hyper-casual game or an instant game. Uh, this came around about 2017, um, which are extremely easy learn games that require no download and can be played on an existing app like a web browser or a messaging app, and is kind of supported by ads in the game. So, oh, We're going to actually break down some of the prehistory of the modern casual game right after this break. explosion of touchscreen cell phones and the monetization of all, of myriad microtransactions we had the casual game market on the PC which encompassed a lot of the same genres you will find your solitaire games your match 3 titles your hidden picture games actually and so there's on. actually you might even be you might be surprised by this do you know what who it's what by most gaming historians consider to be the actual first casual game solitaire nope go back even further okay would it be uh, let me think what is this? Are we still talking a video game or are we talking about? A it's an actual video game. Okay. Perhaps. It's one, your, it's one of your favorites. It's not Pac Man, is it? It is Pac Man. Hmm, okay. They consider it the first casual game due to its cute cast of characters and a design sensibility that pretty much anyone could figure out. Well, that, that makes a ton of sense then, yeah. Mm hmm. So, they, according to mo um, most game historians, Pac-Man is considered to be the very first casual game. My opinion, it's Pong, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I was starting to lean towards Pong also, but I was a little hesitant. Yeah, I, to me, I think it's Pong, because all you had to do was go, doop, doop, doop. You, there's, there's nothing more to Pong than just moving up and down. <laughs> like that's about the extent of what you have to do. But according to them, they consider Pac-Man to be the first um, casual game. And they actually put that to the actual character design of the ghosts and Pac-Man as cute. Apparently Pong isn't cute. Mm. If I was a Pong fan, I'd totally be fighting that. <laughs> I'd be like, how is Pong not cute? It's a little ball. In today's day and age, you put little spikes on it, make it a coronavirus, and you can really beat the crap out of it. Oh, dear. <laughs> I have one at work, and he's masked. I buy weird shit. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah. All right. Just so long as we don't see any cosplays of the coronavirus at the Comic-Con, because... Uh... Only, only, only if I'm allowed to spray it with Lysol. Anyhow, 
So that was our first tangent on my new tangent board. Yay! I got a new tangent board. <laughs> I moved, got a new board. So back to the casual game market on the PC, which really flourished in the late 1990s through about to the mid-2000s. And the leader of this market was almost certainly PopCap Games. And Mumbo Jumbo. You had both. <laughs> you had both. I didn't realize that they both were equal in how much money they made. <laughs> Between PopCap and Mumbo Jumbo. Yeah. D- didn't they merge into one? They eventually... I don't know if they ever merged... I don't think they did. I think they still stayed separate. They became different companies. Okay. Uh, the current one that is actually still there's the two current big one, three current big ones still in the market right now is Big Fish Games, which uh, I am a subscriber to because my mom loves their games, and they were the ones that put out Mystery Case Files, which was the which was the hidden object game to play where you found the different hidden objects in the game. They gave you the right. list. You found them. Um, they also did. They did a bunch. They they sponsored a bunch of studios um, and put their games up on their platform for people to download. Um, they're still going pretty strong. Popcap. Well, I'm going to let you talk about Popcap because yes, you still have an yes. axe to grain on that one. Mumbo Jumbo did more puzzle games, like Minesweeper style games. Okay. But in current market, it's. Big Fish Games is like the overarching developer, financier. Rovio, uh, Rovio is another big one. And the other one is King. King Games. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about King Games shortly. But the reason, but PopCap, I was addicted to their games when I got out of college. Because they were they ran on my older computer, because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I had the same computer since I graduated high school, and that was 1998. And so after I got out of college, you know I'm still running this same old compy, and mm-hmm. you know it's not doing much. It's certainly not certainly wasn't set up for uh, high speed internet that didn't require dial up. It was bad, (laughs) but it ran PopCap games. So I was able to get a little more life out of it that way. Oh yeah. And the thing is, is PopCap is still around. It is in name. It is still around in name because like all small up and coming profitable small businesses, they eventually someone goes, Ooh, let's buy them. Which we'll get to in a moment. Yeah. But, you know, PopCap rose to prominence via the game Bejeweled. I freaking love Bejeweled. mm -hmm. They had made in their office a little ding counter that would ring every time they sold a copy. After a few months, they had to turn it off. I can understand why that was. I liked Be- Bejewel was probably the be- one that really put Match Three as a fun casual game because the only thing you had to do was just swipe. So I mean that's that's really kind of cool. They eventually expanded in 2005 when they took over uh, Sprout Games, which were the creators of the game's Feeding Frenzy. Oh, brilliant! 
brilliant titles, Feeding Frenzy. Oh yeah, translated perfectly to consoles too. It was a good. It, that was a game that could easily trans. Was you could you could easily translate that game. And then eventually they opened up their international, um, their PopCap International in Dublin, Ireland in 2006. So they were created in 2000. By 2006, they had become kind of have to have an international base of operations. And then they started coming up with games like the one that you'll all know is Plant vs. Zombies. Yes, the... Distillation of the tower defense genre, a genre I greatly enjoy, mm-hmm. and into something cartoony and intuitive. And cute. Mm-hmm. And cute. I could not get, I, I really, when Plants and Zombies came out and I, I just fell in love with the, the plant designs, they were cartoony, they were cute, and, and they were memorable. Like, you could tell what a plant did based on its design. So it was, you didn't have to sit there and memorize stuff. You kind of knew what happened based on what it looked like. Another popular PopCap game was Peggle. Which is basically uh, Pachinko for us Americans. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, Zuma, which took the match three into a line of uh, proceeding balls you had to keep from getting past a certain point mm-hmm. and notable for its Aztec inspired imagery. Yeah. That was a uh, match three meets shooting a shooter, a uh, bubble popper game. That was more of yep. a bubble popper game. And they had tons of other lesser hits uh, like the bookworm games and chuzzle big money. Oh yeah. Chuzzle. And on and on. They had this just cottage industry of well-crafted titles. And then Electronic Arts entered the picture. Mm Mm-hmm. And just as with anything, with any, just with any big company that steps in to a smaller company and it's like, ooh, you're making money. Come sell to us. We'll pay you this much. And then you try to put their mark, like their way of making things onto it. Doesn't always end well. You knew the the end was coming when Plants vs. Zombies 2 was made to be a free-to-play game. And you could hear it in the creator's voice. He did not want to make it like that. He wanted it to be a one-and-done purchase like the original. Yeah. Which, which was... And the thing is, is the reason why, and even with Plants with Zombies, you could get downloadable content if you wanted it. Oh, yeah. And that was one of the things with these games that most people forget that a lot of these casual games started out as free impact games on your phones. Just a free download where you didn't have to buy anything. You just, they just, the developer made it and they made their money through the advertisements they would sell in the banners, which were annoying. But I prefer that over having to try, having like you play and you get to a spot you're stuck and you're stuck there for six months because I will uninstall your game in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I do not have time for that. I, I'm, if I think your game is good, I'm okay with throwing a couple of bucks in your tip jar because I know you have to make your money. The developers have to eat. I get yeah. that. But if you make your game purposely hard where you have to buy something to proceed, I will uninstall your game in a heartbeat. I have no time for that. None. 
But at, as of now, just about every original PopCap employee has left. Mm-hmm. And EA has basically killed the goose that laid the golden golden jewels. Yeah, and a lot of times, and the other, and the thing with this is, Konami's going that route too. And I've seen it. And I can, I, I can see it on the horizon. Konami didn't purchase another small company, but they created a mobile game which made them a ton of money. And they decided, and you can tell with how they really haven't put out any, any of their titles, like new games of their current titles. And they got rid of one of their best designers because they felt he wasn't making money for them. And that is, I got to look it up because it's the gentleman who created the Metal Gear, the Metal Gear Solid series and Silent Hill. And I want to make sure you bring this up every time, every, every time Konami comes along and because I think they're, and and every time I counter, they're still making the, the Pachyakun train games in Japan. Yeah. But the thing, yeah, and it they 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 made so much money on this that they demoted. Oh, I, one second, I gotta find it. I'm sorry, this is still an issue with me because I do truly love the guy who who did who. Um, Hideo who Kojima, is who you're trying Hideo to think Kojima. of. Hideo Kojima. I wasn't sure if his first name was Hideo. I know the last name was Kojima. They they literally, in my opinion, this guy made them so much money through the franchises he ran and ran them well. He gave us great stories. He did a great job and for them. And then some stinky little little game comes along. Oh yeah, I made tons of money for you. Okay, we're gonna get rid of you now because hey, this is making us money. And it's like, dude, the guy who they promoted in his place, nobody in the company liked. Like. You interview people in the company and they're just like, yeah, he's a jerk. <laughs> like, they don't even like the guy who created the mobile game because that's what Konami does. Oh, you made us money? We're going to make you the next vice president. But the second you stop making them money, oh, we're going to get rid of you. That's not cool. Especially with games like Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid where you want to have the person in charge of that who helped make the series because those fans if you screw it up once will rip you to shreds especially Silent Hill fans oh my god and I'm I'm not a fan of Silent Hill I just but I do like the stories they come up with them all So right, let, let's steer things tangent back to casual two. games All right that was can tangent 2 but you know, you know what we didn't talk about yet about the casual games? We never talked about the Microsoft Windows casual games. Okay. Because how many of us in the middle of computer class, when you finish, finish what you were working on, who did not pop open Solitaire or Minesweeper? The people who didn't have them installed in the computer because the teachers removed them. Oh, your teachers sucked, man. Ours didn't know how. Our, our, the head of our computer lab, they told him to uninstall them, and he never did. He he just hid them in the computer, so if you knew where to look, you could find the games. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know the reason uh, those things existed, right? No, please educate me. Well, solitaire existed because it was a quick way to teach people how to use the mouse. Oh, nice. And Minesweeper replaced Dots, the original second game that was packed in, which is kind of an Othello-like. 
mm-hmm. when they needed something to teach people how to use the right mouse button. Ooh. And Microsoft Hearts was used to test network connectivity. I freaking and hated that one. Windows Pinball was used to test more advanced graphic capabilities. I did like that one. I used to play that on my mother's computer at work when I used to go to the district to central office, Rochester City School District. And she and if she had to run away somewhere and I had to sit at her desk, I'd sit at her desk and play pinball. I also would sit at her desk and change her away mess her um uh screensaver. Uh, Yes, where it would, it would have a, it would it would go across and it would say, "Hi, mom, I love you. I miss you. I messed with your computer. Bye." <laughs> she used to, I get the call if I was home. If I or she come home, be like, "What did you do to my computer?" Oh, you saw the screen message, screensaver. <laughs> she goes, "Change it back." I never did because I never because then I wouldn't go back in for another few months. So. Oh, but yeah, those those ones that came in the the computer. Oh, what was remember Facebook games? I do. That was I was the period when Zynga was king. Yes, Zynga. Oh my god, I forgot about Zynga. And a lot of those games weren't even really much in terms of gameplay. No, they Mafia were Mafia very... Wars, Farmville, and the like. They were. Mm-hmm. Kind of more either just number crunching simulators or time spenders. Actually, through Facebook games, the when they did the Facebook games, that's actually how I came across Big Fish Games because they had a they had a gaming they had a casual gaming area in the Facebook games, and it was called Big C, Big Fish or Big Sea Fish or some Big Sea Game Great Sea Games, and okay. it was. Smaller bite-sized ber- versions of some of the games that they had, like they had one that was Riddle uh, Riddle a Day, which was a leprechaun that would have a riddle and you had to solve the riddle, and you got points. They had Klondike. Oh my god, they had all types of games on, just different games you could play and earn points, and then when you got a certain number of points, you could get something to put on your wall. This was back when you actually could like your. Where Facebook was trying to be like MySpace, so you could customize your wall. <laughs> okay. With little stuff on the side, like if you wanted to put like a picture up there, or you wanted to pin like if you wanted to have your daily horoscope pop up, it could pop up over on the side, and it would tell what your daily horoscope was. You'd had your wall there where you could talk to people. They had a poke button, um, so if you wanted to, you could hit the hit click on someone and click poke and it would poke them on their page oh man that was back when facebook was cool yeah but it was very easy to also flood facebook with i'm looking for this animal in farmville i have this animal in farmville and if you didn't play farmville you didn't care yeah, or the the other thing with it too was it actually if innovated viral marketing. So like, let's say you were playing Farm Farmville, you could send a request to all of your friends who were playing Farmville for something, or you could get points by inviting your friends, and they didn't have to accept the invite. All they had to all you had to do was just send it to them. True. Yeah. But but still, when you're trying to. Find out what's going on with your friends and all you see are all these little fake animals. It got a little irritating. 
Well, once again, unfortunately, back then, people really did not use Facebook to tell people what was going on in their lives. People were using Facebook to, like, play games. Like, let's let, let's be kind of honest. They really weren't, I got a new job today. It would be like, hey, send me stuff for my game. Well, kind of like what they do. Maybe for you. Kind of like, but... like what they do now with, uh, with uh, Animal Crossing. I know you probably used it for what it was initially intended for, which was for communication. Well, I used it for both, but I I tried to to keep my gaming posts, my Facebook game posts, to a minimum because not everybody cares that I got this jackpot in a slot machine. Fair enough. But it was on Facebook that King first appeared. Oh yeah. With Candy and Candy Crush took off because Candy oh, yeah. Crush was their first real big game, Candy Crush Saga. And then literally, we used to joke um, all the time because they had Candy Crush Saga came out. Then they had Pet Farm Saga, and then they had something else Saga, Bubble Witch Three Saga. Literally, every game that King came out with had to have Saga on the end of it because. Um, how it made it more epic. I was like, it's a game. You could just call the Candy Crush and we'd all be happy. Well, that and it also helped them establish a copyright or a trademark, attaching that extra word to it. That's true, too. So, but yeah, I me- yeah, that I, re- I remember when I first got sucked into Candy Crush. I didn't remain sucked into it long because that game there, everyone was like, oh, it's so easy. And then you get to like level 50 and then it's like, this game is out to get your soul. Like my cousin David was like not working at the time. He had left to the restaurant job he had. So he invited me to play Candy Crush. And I still think that was payback for everything that we used to do to each other as kids. Cause like I did get sucked into it and then they wanted mm. money. And I was like, I don't have money. But, of course, he was, like, at level 120, and I'm like, but I have to beat my cousin. But I don't want to pay. So. And here's what bugs me about a lot of the Candy Crushes and their ilk. Mm-hmm. If you get to a level that's hard enough and you're stuck, buying a power-up with those microtransactions, that's not a guarantee. Oh, no, good God, no, it's definitely not. Like, you could buy a power-up, and then, you know, they'll suggest a power-up to you, and then you buy it, and it doesn't work. And you're just like, why did you... The game game is not there to help you. The game is there to get you to buy stuff. So it'd be like, hey, we're going to tell you to buy this power-up. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, we're sorry. Here's this other power-up you could try. Oh, that didn't work. Well, here's the third one. Like, and you eventually, like, what you figured, okay, I can give, I can give them $2, that's fine, goes to suddenly you've just paid 10 And I don't like that. But it was probably King that realized that the switch from Facebook to mobile phones was the thing happening around the late 2000s into the early 2010s and that's when the mobile game market as we know it exploded oh yeah well and that the thing with king 
King also was one of the first ones to make it uh, so that, oh, you used up all five of your lives in your Facebook game? Well, go onto your mobile phone and suddenly you have five more lives. And it would, but it would upload where you were on your, you could connect the game between Facebook and your phone and it would keep what level you're on, but it would replenish your lives automatically. So you had another five, five lives on your phone that you could play. Or if you played on your phone, you could go into your Facebook and play on your Facebook. They were sneaky. Yeah. Well, that sneakiness earned them money. Yes, it did. Also earned them a couple of lawsuits too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But also around this time, one of my my favorite games for my phone, and it is one of my favorite casual games to play, did come out. And it was, and you know I'm going to say it, it was Angry Birds. Okay, yes. <laughs> Angry Birds is is definitely a better casual game at least in its original form i haven't played any of the updated versions yet i'm currently playing two and i really like two the graphics are really good for a while angry birds actually had a cartoon that was really good it was a regular cell animated cart kind of cell flash animated cartoon it was really cute no no talking in it just bird sounds but you kind of knew what was going on it was like i almost compared it to like the first like a more modern silent movie because it was all about their expressions and stuff and it's it's a really cute show and then they also did um pigs at work so you got to see kind of the pigs half of what was going on and that was that was really cute too but i play i played two i've almost played i played almost every iteration of of angry birds the only one i didn't play was the transformers version i kind of wish i did but I played like Star Wars, Space Birds. I played Angry Bird Epic, Angry Bird Dream Shooter, Amy Girl Poppet, Angry Bird. Listen, if other than outside of like the Transformer one, I've played it. Hmm. I and they're and they're fun because the different versions of Angry Birds. It wasn't just the first Angry Birds repackaged. It would, it would be a different take on the mechanics. They would change the mechanics a little bit to keep it fresh, and it was kind of fun. Now, here's a funny thing about that original Angry Birds game. Mm -hmm. I remember when they added an entirely new game mode, sort of a Red's Journey type of thing. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to pay a penny for this. Nope. People Rovio complained anyway, oh, because they were like, oh, this would be better off as its own thing. Oh, I didn't ask for this. Oh, this, oh, that. And I'm like, you're getting a free game mode. What are you crying about? Which proves that humans will cry over anything. I know. And it's, oh. Yeah, people will Stop cry. Stop the planet. I want to get off. Take me with you. But it proved to me, even back then, when people, I'm like, dude, you got a free game. You don't have to play it. It was a separate thing you could click on. It's like you don't you can just play regular Angry Birds. It's gonna be fine. Like the people who complained about getting a free game, I'm like, are you the same people who cried about D and D four and now you're all pissed because literally they came out with a fifth edition just to make to be like, Okay, you're gonna cry? Here's we'll give you something to cry about. I'm like, stop complaining and you know, and Rovio has made other. Yeah, yes, Angry Birds is their big is their big game. 
it is their big game, but they've made other games too. They made Good Fiends. They've made um, Shakira Shakira Rock Gems, which was actually sponsored by the singer Shakira. They've done something now that's called Small Town Mysteries, which is really kind of cute and fun, where you play a match three game and you're solving crimes. They have a paranormal one that's a match three game. Like, they're kind of still going. Like, yes, Angry Birds is their thing. It took them a while. They're, now we've had two Angry Bird movies, which I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one yet. With Peter Dinklage. Yes! Playing the Mighty Eagle, which is so cool. Hearing him play the Mighty Eagle, and you're just sitting there like, aww. Um, and your first here. impression of him is him relieving himself. In the lake, yes. Of mystical wisdom after Chuck and Bomb drink the water. And spit it between each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is toilet humor in this. I, I yep. And I am not ashamed. And if you want more toilet humor, tune into the Pemmy and James cartoon, cartoon podcast tomorrow as we look at the first two episodes of Dragon Ball. Cheap Ooh. plug. Cheap plug. That wasn't a cheap plug. That was a good plug. I applaud that. That was a good plug. So, I mean, and that's the thing, like, Angry Birds was completely free. That freaking theme song got stuck in your head and you couldn't get rid of it, but it was completely free. And even even now, like, Angry Birds 2, like, you don't have to pay to play it. You can play the game, and the game gives you so many op- chances for free power-ups and stuff that you really could play the game and not spend a dime. Which I applaud them for because they, yes, you'll hit across one or two hard game, like one or two hard levels, and they'll be like, hey, do you need an extra bird? Watch this video. And they give you an extra bird card to play. Nice. So it's like, you know, I mean, they don't have to do that. I mean, you have, then you have to make the call. It's like, I have two levels left. You're giving me one bird. Yeah, I'm going to start from the beginning. <laughs> like, I'm just, that's not worth it. But, like, if you're, like, down to, like, the last level and you just have, like, one tower to take out. And they don't, and it's not like they give you a, 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 a bad bird. They give you a really good one. Like, they'll give you, like, Terrence or Matilda or Bomb or the Blues who can take out a lot, do a lot of damage. It played right. So. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, besides Angry Birds, what are some other casual games you're playing now, Chrissy? So, currently, I'm currently playing. I gotta grab my phone, because they're on my phone. I say, I save my, my, I save my computer for, um, for some of my, for some of my more harder PC gaming. So, currently, on my phone, I'm currently playing. Uh, I have Angry Birds. Uh, AE Mysteries, which are kind of puzzle mysteries by Haku Games. It's a whole, this, this, that app there has like, you have like seven or eight like stories that you could do. Yes, I want to quit because I didn't mean to open you. So it's, it's um, adventure, they're kind of like escape, they're, it's called Adventure Escape Mysteries and they all have different storylines to them. Uh, Angry Birds, I have a couple of coloring apps on my phone. Because those are quick and easy. Uh, I have Duolingo, which isn't really a casual game. It's a, it's a, um, you can learn an, uh, a language with that. I have Evermerge, which is a new casual game from Big Fish Games. I have Magic Jigsaw Puzzles, where you can put together jigsaw puzzles. I have Magic Solitaire, where you can play 
solitaire games. I have Merge Mansion, which is a ma uh, a match three game in a more untraditional sense. Uh, instead of you having a grid filled with gems, you actually just have an open board and you're just matching things that look alike together. It's kind of like um, Merge Dragons, which was the first game to actually do that. And then after that, I have... That's about it for my games, other than a couple of Webtoon apps. How about you? Well, I've kind of weaned myself off of most of my casual games, but I've kept two of them. Mm -hmm. One of them is Disney Emoji Blitz. That that I used to have on my phone, and then I took it off, and I've been meaning to put it back on, because that is a fun game. And it's probably the one casual game I can think of on the market that gives you something of tangible use outside the game. Yep, you actually get you get the Disney emojis to use in your texting. Yes, which is pretty cute. Mm -hmm. So they now when they switched ownership from Disney to another company, that other company has gotten a little greedier in terms of of uh, the requirements to get to some of the more advanced levels of the events. But if you're patient enough, you can eventually build up a solid roster of emojis. And, you know, if, if you're like, if you're, if you're a high score chaser like me, you know, I've been playing since the game came out. So I, I qual actually qualify for some of the, the higher rank stuff. Like if they do an Alice in Wonderland event, I've got Alice, White Rabbit and Cheshire Cat all maxed out so I can get into those later levels now. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know some people who, who still who played it since the beginning and, and they're up on those levels, too. Uh, what's the other game you have on your phone? Uh, I, I just want to mention uh, real quick one more thing about Emoji Blitz. Yeah. Don't expect Marvel characters anytime soon. No, you can get Star Wars characters, though. We've got Star Wars, we got Pixar, we got Muppets, we got traditional Disney. But the Marvel emoji rights are held by another company. So even if they wanted to, they couldn't. Gotta honor those. So what's the, so the other, other one? one is. Uh, 80s Mania Wrestling Returns. Okay, I've not heard of this one, and I'm very intrigued. It is a pro wrestling federation booking simulator. Where you really? get a, a roster of uh, fictionalized versions of classic wrestling personalities from the 80s and 90s. And some other pop culture archetypes. Like, there's a Legend of Zelda homage in there. There's... An, a tag team that are based on Billy and Jimmy Lee from Double Dragon. What? You got a Cabbage Patch kid named named Pat Cab Cabbage. Oh my God! And, and you know, there's there's an homage to He Man and She-Ra and Skeletor and Evil Lynn and so on and so on. Just the Cabbage Patch alone is like Cabbage Patch and wrestlings. Who would have thought? Yeah. And you book them in matches, and your goal is to try to. Uh, make a good quality show based on 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 your wrestlers and who and the match types and merchandise sales you know you unlock merchandise if you max out the stats on a basic card and it's actually pretty generous you do you do 4 weeks of programming a month and if you complete <laughs> a year you get a free token ooh you know the, the paid currency so you can unlock bigger name stars Oh, nice. Because, you know, uh, a little jobber based off of Glass Joe is going <laughs> to cost you a lot less than the Hulk Hogan homage. 
Fair enough. No, that actually really sounds kind of, and it's called 80s. 80s Mania Wrestling Returns. Returns. Okay. And they update monthly. In fact, this just just this past month, they added an homage to that famous trio of the South, the Freebirds. Ooh, nice. So, kind of as we've been going through all of this and talking about the different things, um, we really didn't. We're gonna. I'm. We still have two other kind of points to hit. One are the different genres of casual games, which they actually cover a very widespread of genres, just like any hardcore or hardcore gamers. And then how video consoles have kind of jumped onto the casual game market. Yeah. Too. So I'm going to start with the different genres of casual games. And we'll see. And I have a list of examples, but we could probably add examples too from our own kind of understanding. So let me guess up first is match three. Actually, puzzle games, which Match Free actually does fall into. Match Free is a style of game, but puzzle games is the actual genre. And that's the Bejeweled series, the Collapse series, the Lexor series, your Match 3 games, kind of anything where you have to you have to kind of strategize to solve the puzzle. Whether it's getting a certain amount of one type of item or one type of symbol or just clearing the stage of everything you have to actually strategize how to do that okay the next one is hidden objects and that is your mystery case files your mortimer beckett series your hidden expedition series uh, another now, these are games that have their roots in like the where's waldo books pretty much you get a list of items to find and then if you find all those items in a timely manner you get points and these are the ones that actually have storylines to them. Like you're solving a mystery or you're trying to figure out, you know, what happened to somebody. Like these ones are more, are more of the story heavy guy, story heavy ones where you are like Mr. Case files started out as a very basic storyline. And now they are so, these storylines are so intricate now I kind of sit there and I'm like, you had to hire a team of writers and this is probably not where you expected this series to go. And I'll talk, we'll talk more about actual, I think we'll probably end up doing a episode on Mystery Case Files because this is actually, this was the game, this was the game series that really got hidden object games in the, in the casual forums. This game actually started as a free game in the micro, in um, Yahoo Games. Okay. So we all remember Yahoo Games, that one part of the Yahoo, you go to the Yahoo web search engine, you could click games, and you went into the game rooms, and you could play Mahjong, you could play Solitaire, you could play a Bubble Popper, or you could play, or you could have played a Mystery Case Files game called Huntsville. You didn't get to play the whole game, but you got to play at least half of the game. So this was one of those ones that really kind of started transitioning from casual game to almost making casual games more acceptable, I guess is the word for it. All right. uh, there's adventure games, and these are the Nancy Drew series. There is a series of casual games based off of the Nancy Drew books. The Dream Chronicles, which is actually a really good game series. And I say that because it is, it's on par with probably Final Fantasy, but it's more of a casual game. 
so you could start and stop with worrying about losing anything. And the Avion series. So if you ever see that that series about, oh, there's the you know this game series, come and come and become an adventurer. Chances are it's the it's based off of the Avion series. Um, that's another bunch of adventure games that are really cool because, and you'll enjoy this, James. The, the reason why these games are really big the adventure casual games is you can stop the game at any point and you do not lose your progress and you do not lose anything. You don't have to search for a save. You just go up into the menu, you click leave the game, it will take you out of the game. And then when you go back into the game, you're right where you were when you left. Nice. None of, none of the searching for a save point or anything like that. You leave, you come back, you're where you were. Strategy games. Time management, tower defense games. Uh, for example, um, Diner Dash. Remember Diner Dash? Oh yeah. Where you played as Flow and you had to save that you had to save the diner. Yeah, I remember there was even a SpongeBob Diner Dash at one point. Yeah, Diner Dash spinned off into everything. I gotta remember. I try to remember. Uh, Playgo Games, I think, is um, who made them which has been rebranded the delicious series, the cake mania series. Most of these were like those restaurants. These were those games where you had the customers come in, they had these little thought bubbles above them and you had to make the food and get it to them before they got pissed off at you. Mm, and okay. they were different types of customers that you had to deal with arcade and action games, plant versus zombies. I don't kind of agree being into this one because I feel that's more of a tower defense, which is a strategy game. But Peggle series, the Feeding Frenzy series falls into this. Word and trivia games, Bookworm, Bonnie's Bookstore, any of the crossword games that you can download on your phone that would fall under these games. And then the old standby that has been around since the beginning of time, card and board games. Oh yeah, these are everywhere. These are your Slinko Slinko um Slinko Quest games are one of these. And if you don't, Slinko is the combination of slots and bingo. And it's addicting. You may not think it is, but once you start playing it, you kind of get addicted to it. I even played it in a casino once and I won lots of money, which I then turned over to my friend's mom because she was paying for our vacation. So this is also the Lotso Deluxe and the Luxar um, Mejong. Any Mejong game, any card solitaire game would fall under this one. So those are like the seven main genres. These are the seven most popular genres in casual games. And I don't think anyone would have thought that casual games would have grown so much that they have their own genres. Because I remember when people started saying, oh, I played this. You're not a real gamer. And if you could, you would be seeing me flicking them all off. Because I'm sorry, if you're playing a game, you are a gamer. <laughs> so Basically, yeah. Yeah. So as these games evolved and they were making money and everything else, eventually we all know that gaming councils would have jumped onto these. And it actually happened a lot earlier than you think, James. Oh, I believe it. And look at look at the explosion of Fortnite. Oh, even earlier than that. Look at Tetris. Oh, true. Tetris is considered is actually considered a casual game. Didn't need to think much about it. Just had to make all the blocks line up and cross the row, and it would disappear. And it was a and believe it or not, Tetris came as a free impact game. So it became 
hugely popular, and it's actually one of the reasons why the Game Boy became as big as it was. Well, I believe it. I had a Game Boy, don't forget. Mm-hmm. That game, let me tell you, Tetris was the game me and my father would compete against each other for, for the highest score. We had a notepad in the, in the game system. If you played Tetris, you wrote down the date, your score, and you initialed it, and we kept trying to beat each other's score. This is before the game did not have leaderboards. It might have been a good thing. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that was one of the... That actually really is kind of the first casual game on a home on a portable or home console. But the next ones that kind of popped up over there were the Mystery Case File games and the Mystery PI games, which were uh, hidden object games that you could honestly play on your gaming system, whether it was your home console or your portable console. And it just kind of exploded a little bit from there. If you think about it, like just on the Wii alone, I, I could I see all these games, these indie games, and I'm like, that's a casual game. That's a casual game. That's a casual game. So take that, all you gamers back in the early two early late two thousand, early aughts and told us that were telling us who played on our phones that we weren't gamers because now your council is carrying them. Some somebody's got an axe to grind. Listen, you know how many of my guy friends told me that when I was like, oh yeah, I game, and I was told I wasn't a true gamer because I was playing casual games. Everybody comes to gaming from a different place. Everybody goes as far as they're comfortable, and that's fine. Yeah, at least until I beat them up with Chung Lee in Street Fighter. <laughs> I'm a button masher. There is no strategy to how I play that game. I just beat buttons. Well, if you have any particular favorite casual games you use to kill time during work t- work breaks or your commute or a bus commute or whatnot, let us know in the comments on Facebook. In the meantime, we're going to take a break, and when we return, we will have this day in gaming history and all our other post show uh, jibber jabber. Stay tuned. Woo-hoo! the irregulars head over to www.patreon.com backslash fc3roc we're part of the media division of flower city comic-con based in rochester new york we're a non-profit group everything we make off of patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests if you pledge any amount even a slim dollar you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at 
K-R-I-S-S-I at FC3ROC.org. And me at J-A-M-E-S at FC3ROC.org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool. And begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind. So if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Alright, for today in video game history, on September 2nd, the pickings were actually pretty slim. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I I had to dig a little deep, and what I came up with actually ties into this episode. Ooh. It, I have the browser version of Bloom's Tower Defense 3, released on NinjaWiki.com, Ninja worldwide Wiki. today. Oh my god, NinjaWiki. No, I'm sorry, I... not NinjaWiki, Ninja Kiwi. Ninja, oh... Oh my god, I forgot about Ninja Kiwi as a game site. Holy crap. Sorry. Yeah, and they're still around, and they're still making the Blooms game. That's cool! Yeah, this, this was just an adorable, nice little abstract tower defense game that was easy to pick up and play, where you just spend bananas, recruit monkeys who throw darts at balloons. That's it! Sounds simple, right? Oh, well, yeah, I got more complex later, but... Come on, it's adorable. It's monkeys. How can you not love monkeys? We're, we're Flower City Comic Con. We're the Mighty Monkey Corporation. We love monkeys. We love Simi. You can check out really cool Simi art that Pemi did for us on our website. Indeed. And you can meet him and us and a variety of other guests at Flower City Comic Con on September 25th and 26th at the Total Sports Experience in Gates, just outside Rochester, New York. Well, just... Um, in the suburbs of Rochester, New York, actually. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of outside. And if you want to get tickets ahead of time, you can definitely get them on the FC3 page. Uh, we sell them through GrowTix. We also go to any of your any of the local comic book stores up here in Rochester, and you can pick them up through them as well. And we genuinely hope to see you there. And you know, if you don't feel up to coming up, we understand. We get it. Believe me. And I think More that's going to about do it for this week. So for Chrissy Harding, I'm James Irish. As always, game on. Bye, everyone. Bye.